This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everyone, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. This is episode 455. Uh, This one, again, we recorded in Wyoming. We sit down with Trey Heiner and Devin Leonard. We talk a little bit about like points and different types of hunts and tell some cool hunt stories in camp again, in our canvas wall tent studio. And if you listen to the previous, uh, a quick mountain line story podcast, I mentioned that these are the last two episodes that I'm doing any recording work in the, what is now the current studio. We are now moving in to our new, new studio, uh, in new Windsor, Illinois. We're very proud of it. Um, it's all possible because of you guys and the great companies that support what we do and the way we are. Um, we have our own bar green room. We have a studio. We have a bedroom. We have a kitchen. We, it's it's exactly what we've dreamed of, um, and it's kind of hard to believe that it's ready. It's it's time to start recording in it. Um, it's a dream come true. It's exactly what we, we wanted. We were going to build one from the ground up on my property, and we found this place. We're like, man, we can make this our dream studio. So it's it's amazing. Um, hopefully soon we'll do uh, like a crib style, like check out our studio video just to show everybody. We've been getting a lot of messages, and that might be like the best way to just show everyone. Um, instead of doing like Instagram lives are cool, we'll probably do some of those. But I think it'd be cool to like show all the details in a video, like why we did what we did here and there, and um, just kind of the crazy redneck blue collar ideas that we threw into it, um, especially like at our bar and stuff like that there. So that'll be coming before too long. Um, and then we'll have a spot to do like hunt video stuff. So we'll see, um, sky's the limit with that deal. Um, I want to start off first. Uh, the podcast is presented by elite archery. Uh, super thankful for that. I'm shooting the remedy. Absolutely love that bow already. I am now in, I'm going to call it fight camp preparation for mule deer season this fall. I, I was able to draw the tag I was hoping to draw. So I'm in training for that as well as, uh, Austin and Ross are training for their moose hunt in Alaska this fall. Um, Eric's kind of tied down, have, expecting a baby in October. Doug is always doing Doug things, uh, but we're shooting our bows. So it's it's time to buckle down and just tack drive, man, get ready for fall. Um, 
So presented by Elite Archery, um, I want to start with a veteran shout-out brought to you by HHA USA, HHAUSA.org. Um, this veteran shout-out was submitted by Brent Carr, and the veteran is uh, Brent Carr. Damn, okay. So submit yourself, man. Brent, U.S. Army. Um, we, we always read stuff on the fly, for the record, too. Like Anytime we do like Q&A episodes, I feel like it's just it's better, um, or maybe it's not. Um, he's been more than a decade in the National Guard, overseas deployment, multiple missions stateside, CH-47 mechanic and flight engineer, firefighter on the civilian side. So just a true red-blooded American hero. Um, been hunting for about a decade in Ohio, four years of bow hunting, uh, dabbles in turkey hunting occasionally. Pretty cool, man. Thank you for your service. Um, that right there, real red-blooded American hero. Much appreciated. Not only is he serving our country, but he's a firefighter too, which is, I mean, how can you hate that? Absolutely love it, man. Thank you so much for your service um, and doing the whole firefighting thing. People, basically, you're helping people wherever you go. That's pretty kick-ass. Thanks, Brent. We appreciate it. Um, if you guys want to submit your own veteran shout-out, workingclassbowhunter.com. Hit the contact tab, and there's a veteran shout-out button in there that you can fill out. Those go right to Doug. Um, Doug's normally the one who reads the veteran shout-outs, but because I'm doing the post-recording stuff in studio and we're getting ready to move and all everything it's going crazy, I'm doing them for the, this episode and the previous episode. So um, I, I do real quick want to thank our partners. Um, you know, We have a lot of great partners we work with, great companies that support what we do. Um, Elite Archery, Scent Crusher, Rogue Ridge E-Bikes, Spy Point Trail Cameras, Old Barn Taxidermy, Big Time, Victory Archery, HHA Sports, Thermosy, Huntworth, uh, Loophold, Slick Trick, Hunter's Blend, Pull Back and Let Go, um, Gator Outdoors. Super thankful for all our partners, and we're excited to grow with them, especially this new studio. There's a lot to look forward to. But I, I kind of went through these kind of quick. Um, we've been getting into detail, and we're going to change some things up here in the future once we get moved in. It's been very, very frantic for us, uh, but it's about to calm down. We can buckle down and focus on what we want to focus on as far as the the company of Working Class Bowhunter and the episodes go. So hope you enjoy this one. I'll quit rambling, and we'll see you on the next one. Working class bowhunter podcast in Wyoming in our uh, canvas wall tent recording studio. That's right. Here, <laughs> double time and outfitters. <laughs> Might as well just keep this one open for us, Trey, and we'll just this will be our recording studio in Wyoming. You bet. <laughs> We're sitting here, Trey Heiner, Devin Leonard. What's up, guys? What's going on? What's going on. Eric Hammond's always here. I'm always here. Most of the time. So we had a, a good week in bear camp, another working class bear camp. Um, appreciate it, Trey. Having us out. A lot of fun. Always fun. I wish I could. I kind of want to move out here and just live in one of these tents <laughs> until until I think I can't stand <laughs> until it anymore. Snow, until until the snow, snow comes. comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then I'll be looking for a cabin. I just told Kara, I'm like, I don't want to leave. I know. It sucks. I wish I had like all the vacation I needed. Just about ready to pack up my welder and come on out. I think you'd kill it out here welding. I think you could. If you can weld trees, that's all there is out here. <laughs> hey, I can figure it out. <laughs> get, get a wood welder. Yeah. Call it a day. Uh, no, we were wanting to just do a quick podcast about, um, I guess, kind of the importance of planning ahead for hunts. Because I feel like in the Midwest especially, I don't know how about a lot of the Western guys, but it's hard for us to understand, like, the point systems in the mm -hmm. States because we don't have anything like it. You know, like, buying a preference point. In Iowa, it's a thing, but most... Midwestern states, people don't get, like, what's a preference point? 
How does that work? Why do you need them? How much are they? How do you get them? All that stuff. And to a lot of them websites, they make it so confusing to even just buy a preference point, too. Yeah, that, but then everybody has these goals to come out west to hunt elk or mule deer or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but then they didn't plan ahead for it, and then they just push it back and push it back. So by the time they want to do it, they haven't prepared, and then they can't go because they don't have the points, or there's always an over-the-counter unit option. But um, So, I mean, you guys both have way more experience than Eric and I do in any type of Western hunting. You guys are both Westerners and all that. So, I mean, what's any advice you guys have to get, like, a Midwestern guy to start preparing for a Western hunt or a Western trip? Like, where would you start? You bet. Um, So, even if you're not, like, you know, you don't even have a hunt planned, like, say, in Wyoming or Utah that don't matter just start buying points that way when five ten years down the road you decide you want to go or you're financially ready you you can just go you know you don't have to wait because yeah it's getting more and more popular and harder and harder to draw so you right. need to start getting prepared now yeah and then points so a preference point for people that don't know it basically multiplies your odds in the lottery to draw right is that like a good way to explain it yep. yeah so i mean wyoming well just since we're in wyoming I mean, what's what's a good amount of points for an elk? Like, where could, how many would you need to draw pretty much anywhere you wanted to go? You bet. So there's tons of different units in Wyoming. Some take max points, which is 15, and, you know, general units taking about three. Oh, okay. So, but that's the nice thing about Wyoming, even the general units, just because of general, I mean, there's a lot of good quality units just in general units. Yeah. Just because of the wilderness. And Are we in a general unit now? Yeah, it's general. Well, what does that mean? What makes it general from non or whatever, I guess, well, not general. So the, some states, some units, they have it more limited to where you got to draw. It's called a limited, limited quote entry. you got to draw for a specific unit. Like a general is like they have maybe 30, 40 units throughout the state. That so you can all, hunt with that tag. You can hunt with all them units with that tag, mm. you know. Oh, gotcha. So, so you're op- you can kind of move around if you need yeah. to. Yeah. Whereas probably the limited ones are better hunting generally. Yeah. yeah, they're managed better for trophy class. But that being said, there's... In the general, there's still some right. some big quality animals. So now, is that just elk, or is that like mule deer and everything? Both. Yep, mule okay. deer and elk. So what, if someone has never been to Wyoming, and Wyoming was on their radar to start building points, and you think like four, I say elk, four points can pretty much get them a really good unit to start hunting. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, and then for the record, Trey does all this stuff. If you're interested in going on a guided hunt, Trey's your guy. You can reach out to us or just reach out, uh, doublediamondoutfitters.com, right? That's the website? Yep. Yep, and then so a lot of times we have guys with, you know, seven, eight points. So they have, you know, four or five extra points that they really need. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have, I'll do all the apps for my clients. And so we'll party other hunters with one or zero points on their applications and get, get it to work the points and you can draw. Just like on your deer this year. Yep, yep. That's I'm planning awesome. on coming out back in September for mule deer. It sounds like uh, we're going to have a little memorial hunt for my old man and would be a good time. So I gotta figure that out. See how many points I got for Wyoming. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wanted to do all these Western hunts, you know, five years ago, and I was. It's complicated to learn all these preference points, especially from state to state, being so unfamiliar with it. But you don't have my bucket list, like one to kill a bear, which didn't require any points, which is really cool. So if anyone wants to do that bear camp, you can just come out. And you right. don't need points. But um, mule deer, like I'm building points in Utah for all the species I can. Um, Colorado points, Wyoming points. I'm starting to accumulate points, so I'm getting to the to the spot where I want to start doing some hunts. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been thinking about it for years. Where if I wanted to just go elk hunting next year, 
I wouldn't have any points to come out to Wyoming to do it. Um, but I do have the points. You know, before the podcast, I didn't even know there was a point system. It was just like, hey, I thought you just went out out cutting, you know. You just went out and bought a tag. Yeah, and there is some states you can. Right. But, I mean, how's Utah with the preference points? So you've got your general tags that mm-hmm. you can put in for, which is still a point system. And then uh, you also have your limited entry deer tags mm-hmm. that you can put in for. So both of those, you're going you're gonna to want to focus on building points. Mm-hmm. And I think for somebody that doesn't know where to start or they're looking for a place to start, you've got your, you know, you've got Wyoming that people are going to choose. You've got uh, your other high country units, Nevada. You've got Arizona. You've got Utah. And I think the key is, is that um, you'll build your points in all these states because maybe Utah only is only going to take you two points. Maybe Wyoming is going to take you four. Right. And then Nevada is going to take you eight or six. So in between time, you can go on a hunt. Yep. Yep. And it just kind of depends on the unit, the state, and you know, and, and what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I see guys do, including myself, is you spread yourself too thin. You know, like maybe you want to go to, um, like, find a unit that you can spend a lot of time in. Because, like, here in Wyoming, you hear that unit G is really, really good. And then you hear that H is good, but it's not as good as G. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably agree with me on this, Trey, that I think the key is, is like, what unit do you know better? Right. Or what big canyon do you know better? Right. And if you can go hunt that specific spot, you know, like maybe every other year or every third year, yeah. maybe on that third year is when you actually get that deer. Because right. now you've learned it. It's a good spot. You've done your research. But now you got to get familiar with the canyon. Right. What are the deer doing? And you're not going to... That's going to be hard to figure that out just in six, eight days of being there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You might not figure it out until t- you leave or maybe not even until the following year. Yep. Yep. And I don't – do, do the guys back there use Go Hunt much? Uh, go Hunt's getting more popular. Um, I'd say Go Hunt's probably the, probably the most popular as far as being able to – like I just started using it. Um, I'd say it's – I guess if you took 10 Midwestern hunters uh-huh. that were thinking about going out west, maybe five of them have heard of Go Hunt. Okay. So it's getting more popular, but mm-hmm. that's cool because you can kind of like see, oh, I have this many points, and you can kind of type it all in and see what your odds are drawing, and then all the information about each unit's in there. Yeah. So it's a cool tool. I don't even fully understand it because there's a lot of jargon that I don't know yet when I go through it because I'm learning it too, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, Go Hunt's an awesome tool. It's fun to just play with it and see what you can work with. Yeah. So. Because I think the key is you got to learn the point system. And for us to try and cover this whole point system, like right here, for five it's going to be tough. But yeah, I think right. the key is like, what's the strategy? Well, the strategy is start banking points. Yeah. And then as you, you know, you may not draw a tag for the next two years, but over the next two years, if you're serious about it, you're, you know, you're yep. studying the system and whatnot. Yeah. Then you can say, hey, well. I want to go to Nevada, and this unit only takes two points. But, yeah. you know, now that I know where yeah. I want to go in um, Utah, that one's going to take me, you know, four or six or whatever it may be. Right, right. And then Idaho doesn't take points. That's a random draw. There's a lot of high country over in Idaho, isn't there? Yeah. It doesn't so, take a draw? No, that's all random. Well, well, it's a draw system, but there's not a preference point, so it's a just a random. So you draw so you, you don't. Pretty you, draw might, draw, you might draw deal. it every year, or you might never draw it just luck of the draw oh, yeah. really? and then there's some general over-the-counter stuff there it's first come first serve basis that you yeah can go hunt. right so basically if someone has questions like if they're wanting to hunt with you trey they can call you and kind of get that information like hey what do i need to do and if it, my goal is in four years is to kill an elk in wyoming 
I'm sure you do that a lot is kind of, all right, this is what you need to do. Start looking at this. This is when the point systems open, start building your points. I mean, I'm sure that's like a common thing you deal with. Oh, absolutely. Cause I'm, I book out, you know, two, three years in advance. So yeah. I'm just getting guys on the building their points. Mm-hmm. So when they do draw, they're ready, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think, and it's kind of sad, you know, you have your hunt goals and people say, I want to do this one day. I want to do this one day, but they never take action to make it happen. And then they miss out. Next thing they know, they just they never got to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. life's too short. It's kind of sad, you know. It's like, man, if you if killing an elk is your goal, start looking. Like I did an over the counter hunt in Colorado, and like I know if I go there, I'll have, you know, like you said, I, I'm not going to go to a different over the counter unit for elk if I ever go back there. I'm probably going to go to the same one and get more familiar with that one unit, and then my odds of success are just going to go up the more time I put in there. But yep. um, I say if you're on the fence about it, come out here for a bear hunt that's over the counter and it'll change your mind real fast. That's a yep. good push. That's, that's smart. It's a real, yep. change your mind real fast. But that, and the other thing is, you know, we're all working class guys. We're Eric and I, especially we're limited on, on vacation time. Yep. So if I want like a higher odds hunt of success, I'm going to try to build my points. And like, I'm going to do this elk hunt next September with Trey because I don't really have a ton of time to learn a unit year after year after year, right. especially with young kids and stuff, to try and kill an elk, which I will probably do that eventually. But it's cool to, like, build the points and then um, then buy a hunt. And you know what I mean? It increases your odds of success. And, and you basically take better advantage of your vacation time. Oh, for sure. So, for sure. And there's, like, there's a lot of different deadlines and stuff that you got to meet to get your points or application deadlines. And if you mm-hmm. miss them... You could lose all your points that you had banked, so you got to make sure you keep up on top of all those. Yeah, that's things. important. And so what I do, I use a guy named David Verosco. Mm-hmm. He does a application service basically, and that guy is a whiz. He knows everything, the best unit in every, just the whole state. Oh, so he's like a contractor. You can have him do your points yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So right? I just give him a credit card, and he he just goes knows all the deadlines and no kidding. And he does all the points for me in all the states and. He knows the, ra- the random units yeah. and stuff. He puts applies you for. Oh, really? So he's just like a point so broker, yeah, that, pretty much. Really, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. And so, just get you like a Cabela's card or whatever you want, and they just he just give them that, and he just charges them and yeah. gets all your points and stuff built up. Yeah, sweet. No, it's good advice. Um, I mean, like you said, Dad, we could go into de- we could break down every state, and I'm sure we will in the future. But just for the sake of this camp podcast, just if. Western hunts are on your radar. Mm-hmm. Start taking action to plan ahead. Like it feels good to buy a point and bank oh, the yeah. points. Start banking. And yeah. I think in Wyoming, you guys will still. Be, when is this going to release this podcast? Oh, I mean, a few weeks of, of camp here. So they should still be able to get their points. Get their points because when they're July listening 1st to this to like October or something. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. So, so yeah, if you guys haven't bought points for Wyoming, because Wyoming, even if you put in and you don't draw your deer tag, elk tag, you don't get a point. They changed that you recently, actually, didn't yep, they? You actually have to go, even if you don't draw, you actually have to go back in July and then go buy your buy, point. buy the point. But you have that is it, time. Is that right, Trey? Yeah, that's yeah. great. So, but you have that timeline. So what I did, instead of spending, like, you know, if you want to do antelope, elk, mule deer, whatever else, mm-hmm. you don't have to spend all that money at once. You can go buy one point for 50 bucks, and then the next month come back, like budget yourself. That's what you have to do, right? I mean, you, yep. you have that time frame to get your points. So you got three months. And then Colorado was... They just started doing preference points just a few years ago, right? No, they've done it for a while. Long yeah, time. Yeah, but you had to buy your tag. You had to, or you had to buy. You used to have to buy your hunting license then. Yep. To get your points and stuff, so it was kind of expensive. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. But now it's ten bucks a species once you buy your. Because I think a small game license qualifies you to get 
preference points. I'm trying I believe to, so. So it's like sixty bucks plus ten dollars a species. And that's what I did. I just did three or four species, whatever they had for points. So nice. In some states, when you apply for license, they they charge all the money up front and mm-hmm. they refund you if you don't draw. Others they don't they don't charge you till you actually unless you draw. Gotcha. So. Yeah. So there's a lot of research to do, a lot of reading, but yeah. just get everybody thinking, you know, plan ahead a little bit if you're that's on your goal. For Midwestern guys, you know, it's elk are not like that's the epitome. That's like the 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 big the game, yeah, yep. the goal. So I'll that, be definitely looking into that. You talk to anybody from the Midwest. I've never heard anybody say, "Nah, I wouldn't like to go elk hunting." Right. I never have. I've never met anybody that no I know one. of. I mean, whitetails are cool, right? But it's nice to do something different. Yeah, yeah, there's really nothing more exciting than having a bull come in screaming at screaming you. Is that your elk. favorite? What's your favorite? It's probably the funnest to hunt. I would rather kill a big mule deer than anything. It's a lot more rewarding. Right. Why is that? Why is it more rewarding? It's just, it's kind of the holy grail. It's the hardest thing to kill. Really? Really. More strategic and... Like this high country stuff. I mean, it's different than, you know, bucks down in the farms and fields and stuff. It's down in Nebraska. It's, it's, it's like know. a sheep. It's a sheep hunt. It's actually harder than... It's harder to kill a big deer in the high country. So lose some weight before I come back. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Trey just called me fat. Yeah. I think yeah. I got to lose more than you, buddy, so you're all right. I lost 20 pounds for Did this. Did you? Yeah, then my life went to shambles. From, I gained from some last back. bear hunt, you lost 20? Yeah. I think I, like, I probably gained 20. Well, we'll meet halfway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you remember, though, I'm at, I live at 600 feet. Yeah. What's Salt Lake at? 4,500. So you're still out of your element a little bit. Yeah. But I'm way out of my element right. out here. Yeah. We're it's way, way out of 7,500. Yeah, here we are. Man, walking that 100 yards up just to where we were bear hunting, I'm like huffing and puffing. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm too fat for this. <laughs> that's what horses are for, though. Yeah. Right. And that's one thing in, like, some of these states – you can come out and do it on your own. It's all public land, but mm-hmm. unless you have horses and stock to do it, I mean, you're not real efficient. Pretty tough. Yeah, it'd be hard to get around. It'd yeah, be hard it to cover any ground, really. And by the way, Trey, I will say, if last year's camp, my motto was a little bit F horses. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe a no, lot. No, a lot. Maybe a lot of it. <laughs> but this year, I'm like, it's kind of cool to have a horse. <laughs> I'm like I've 180. Yeah, you just start taking it to your to your tree stand at home. <laughs> at home yeah. <laughs> and Cla- now, and now you're like, I'm not going to the bear bait unless I have a horse. I'm like, give me a horse. That's a walk, man. I know. Last <laughs> night that Brandon had a flat tire and we might had to walk into the stands. I'm like, oh boy, we were bitching. It could be rough. Like, man, get, give me a horse. I enjoyed all the horse rides this year. I really oh, yeah. did. I that was my it. first time on a horse, and I enjoyed every second of it. I was just comfortable around them. Like even like not on them last year, I was like, ugh. Uh, kind of, you know, I have no experience around them, so it's a big, intimidating animal. This year, I was, I guess, compared to last year, full 180. Yeah, I'm still nervous because it's I don't do it once a year now, but maybe we'll see. Uh, by the time my elk hunt out here next year, I'll, I'll be pretty damn comfortable. My, my, Mighty Mouse took care of me this week. It's a good horse. Yeah, it's a very good horse. Well, dude, on uh, in September on your deer hunt, we'll be riding an hour to two hours in the dark. On the horse. Let me get broke in real so quick. So at that point, yeah. you just hold on to your horse and let, let him go. Let, it, let him go. <laughs> yeah. The first day. As long as you're going downhill, you know you're going the right way. Yep. <laughs> I'm just going to lay on it and just let it ride me out. But uh, this year, our, the first day, we went out and checked baits, and you were leading the way, and I was behind you, and Trey gave me the thumbs up. Way more confident this year, and I was like, oh, Trey just gave me the stamp of approval. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing better this year. You are. You I did great. I don't look as frightened. <laughs> But no, you look relaxed and comfortable. I did feel I did feel good. Um, hey, I, last year you told a real quick story about 
a mountain lion hunt. Just a funny story with a client. <laughs> and of course, don't mention client names, but what's what's one story, maybe like elk hunting or mule deer hunting, that like people might want to hear? Some crazy story that happened. Oh, I don't know. There's always some type. Of I know you got a ton. It's just how to get them out going of on someplace. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like an everyday occurrence in the fall. Though. I should have had live feed me a story to bring up to you. <laughs> I, had a, I had this hunter show up and he was like probably about 200 pounds overweight almost and i got him so i got you so obviously you gotta get the biggest horse you have to uh-huh. carry this big guy and <laughs> and so this horse is really fast it's like putting a bowling ball on top of a bowling ball they just don't balance real well uh-huh. and so <laughs> it's opening opening morning and uh you guys out cutting yeah, we're elk on open, we're rifle elk, and we pull up to where we want to go, and it's the general season, so, of course, there's other hunters around, and so I'm getting the horses ready, and I'm like, where in the crap's my hunter, and this other guy I knew, he was just out hunting on his own, he, I'm asking, he's you see my hunter, and he's like, dude, he's taking a crap in front of your truck, I'm like, what? So I'm walking <laughs> on the truck, and he's leaned up against my truck on the road, just letting her go it's like dude really <laughs> serious that's how this is gonna go <laughs> good start good start so, when nature calls i guess yeah i guess so i get him loaded up on this horse barely and we cross the river and get a ladder out for him yeah I, oh you pushed him I up could, on it. i had to grab his butt a little bit and get him up there <laughs> and so anyway, we get up the trail about i don't know maybe a quarter mile half a mile and I, I hear him start screaming my name, and it's dark. I turn around, I hit my light, and he's falling off the side of the horse. And he's trying to pull himself back up at the reins, and the horse, of course, the horse is like, what the heck? We're going to trying to freak out, because right. he's pulling the horse's mouth hard. Yeah. Pretty soon, he pulls the horse over on him. Oh, and no. I'm like, holy cow, I just go run him back there. And, and the horse goes takes off rolling down off the mountain. You just hear it crashing down off. And this guy sits up. Are we going to have to put her down? <laughs> I'm like, who cares about the horse? You all right? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And so I get looking at him here, and he's got one shoe on. His, his glasses are half off. His hat's gone. I'm like, what? where's your shoe? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, Not the horse. The guy only had one shoe Yeah, on. the, the guy only had one shoe. <laughs> oh, my. So what happened? Was the horse fine? Yeah, the horse fine. So I was like, just. Stay here and find your shoe. I'm going to go get your horse. I got down there and got the horse out of the creek bottom and get him back up. And we could not find that guy's shoe anywhere. It's like. It just vanished. Yeah. Just gone. Gone like a fart in the wind. You know, it's dark. You know, we still got an hour or so before daylight. And this guy's like, well, I just want to go back. He was over. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Fair enough. So I'm like, well, let's get you loaded back on. He's like, I ain't hopping on that horse. No. Nope. You're locking it down. So I'm like, well, you only have one shoe. You kind of got to. He's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> so he walked all the way out of there, one shoe, and <laughs> oh, right across the river. And we get, I get the horse loaded and sit in the truck, and then I look over him, and his socks half off, like in a dirty rat ring, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he's like, nothing worse he's than like, a wet sock. Yeah, he's like, hey, go kill me an elk. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I'll just stay here. You go kill me an elk. I'm like, I can't go shoot your elk, dude. That's not how this works. He said that, really? Yeah, yeah. He, he just gave up that quick. He didn't care, yeah. And so I'm like, well, let's head back to camp, see if we can get you <laughs> another pair shoe. of shoes. <laughs> get you some Crocs and yeah. send you back on your way. <laughs> so we're just getting almost back to camp, and I look up on the hill above camp, and there's like 12, 15 head of elk up there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
So I, I go whipping in there and talking and getting on this other horse. And mm-hmm. Did you find him a shoe? No, not yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> these elk were like literally 500 yards from camp. Oh, really? So I get him on the horse, and, and these guy can't hike at all uphill. So I get up there about another 300 yards up the trail, and this guy just dumps a bull right off the trail. So, oh, really? He oh, got he did? One. Yeah, he got one. With one shoe on. With one shoe. But <laughs> <laughs> he was glad to get that's done great. that close, huh? <laughs> right. Everything happens for a reason, that's right? right? Yeah, that's wow. funny. Man, I can only imagine, like, the library of, like, crazy stories that you've, like, just piled up. But you over guys, the years. You guys were both talking to me. So, Trey, you sounds like you've guided kind of all over, like, up in British Columbia and some guiding in Mexico and stuff. Yeah, just clients take me with them wherever they go. Yeah, like, they requested just, hey, come with me and help me yeah. type thing. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. That's got to be pretty flattering, huh? Yeah, it's fun. Come down to Mexico with me. And, and then, Devin, you spent quite a bit of time down in Mexico. Yeah, the last eight, ten years or so. Every year? Yep, every year. So are you hunting mule deer or coos deer? Yeah, so most of the, I'd probably say mostly mule deer, but there have been a few years where I killed a coos deer. Last year I went there specifically to hunt coos deer. Did you get one? Nope, I didn't. On the last day, so this year I've killed um, probably two coos deer down there. Mm-hmm. They're both pretty pretty good coos deer. So this year I was... Um, with a bow or a rifle? Or? With a uh, rifle, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I killed a muley up there with my bow. And then... Uh, so Thomas, the outfitter out there, mm-hmm. I've known for a few years, and so so does Trey. This is where me and Devin met. Yeah. Oh, Thomas. it is. You guys met in Mexico. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's I didn't know that. So um, Thomas got a new ranch out there, so mm-hmm. I was going out there to check out the new ranch and mm-hmm. just hold out for just a giant, giant coos because every every year Thomas out there, he one of his clients out there kills. One or two just absolute. What's a giant, giant coos? Like 120? 140s. 140s. Oh, really? He's killing 130, and that's like an absolute giant. But he's getting these new ranches, meeting new people. Nobody's ever hunted it. No. So no hunting pressure, or it hasn't been hunted for five to ten years. Yeah, yeah. So these ranches have the ability to, you know what I mean, to yeah. produce yeah. a coos deer like that. Does coos deer interest you, Trey? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. does. Okay. I just, I didn't know because I see the giant muleys and elk and stuff. It's just. The opposite side of the spectrum a little bit. Yeah, it is a little different. It's a whitetail. Yeah, it is. Just smaller. Yeah. I wouldn't even think to go to Mexico to be hunting. Coos deer in southern Arizona. Is it fun? Maybe I'll go one day. To die for. Is it really? Good old Mexico. Yeah, wild Mexico. So you're going, he's got good coos deer getting new farms and all that. Yeah, so last year, I probably on the last day passed like a 115 coos, which is a big coos deer. Mm -hmm. But like I was holding out for that giant, you know what I mean? yeah. So we just uh, decided to pass on him, maybe like 320 yards or something like that. He was close mm-hmm. for a rifle anyway. But uh, we had a plan to catch that same day, so we, well, maybe next year he'll, he'll be bigger, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, Mexico's fun. Sounds like wild stories happen in Mexico. Like, it's just different <laughs> down there. Yeah. So I'll tell you, so just, just this last year when, when I went, we were late getting through the border. Yeah. And we pro- if you don't want to say too much about anything, you don't have to. But. Yeah, no, I'm not going to tell you all the stories I've told you guys because I just, yeah, I don't they don't know. need to be out there. Yeah, they right. don't need to be out there. <laughs> but just to kind of give you an idea how wild Mexico is, it's like when we were getting to the border, so we we landed in Tucson, mm-hmm. Arizona, and we had like we were already late getting to the border. When we got to the border, we had like 10 to 20 minutes before it closed. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get across, get everything checked, we had to check in our guns. It's pitch dark now, and we got two, two and a half hours to drive to the town that we're going to Yeah, in the pitch dark. Now, my buddy, he lives out there. 
he's from there, but he also speaks English, so mm-hmm. that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we're driving down there just in the middle of nowhere, some random paved road, but there's bushes about eight, ten feet tall, so it feels like you're kind of like in this weird tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, this flashlight comes out of the middle of nowhere, just kind of like a mag light, yeah, you know, those yeah. big lights yep. just flashing you down, where I'm like, oh, what's this? Because you're in like cartel country, because you're right. right on the border, right? <laughs> right? And that's where all those little towns are. Yeah. Are you driving at this point or your buddy? Yeah, so we got a rental car, which is a no-no. You're not supposed to do that. But Didn't have Mexico plates on it, whatever that means. It, it was like some, from somewhere back east because, you know, like the rental cars will like – Jump back and yeah. forth, yeah. So they had New Hampshire plates on the yeah, thing. Yeah, something like that. Dude. So, I was all yeah. like, oh, this is not good because usually it's like an Arizona plate, but there's people that go back and forth all the time to the border. So – um. Anyway, that guy pops up the mag light, and my heart just kind of goes like, oh, shit, what's this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So then there's just this random guy just standing out in the middle of, in the, middle of the road with, I don't know what it was, but it looked like an AK-47 or some gun like that, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And he just shines the light in our in our car, and I'm like, oh, he's like, you guys got anything oh, in here? Oh, you stopped. Yeah. So then um, Alan, he has to back up. And so he backs up, and he gets out of his car, and he's like, hey, 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 these guys, I don't know what he said. He said something in Spanish, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 these guys are good. So anyway, so that was kind of like the first experience, right? That happens one more time. On the same trip? On the same trip, dude. The exact same thing. We get another stop. This time there's two guys on both sides of the car. So I'm like, okay. And I've traveled this road several times. Yeah. But this is never, well, there's only one other time that this has happened. That was in broad daylight. I'll tell you that story in a minute. But this, so at this point, I'm like, I'm never going in the dark, ever. So now we get into town. And remind you, before we cross, right when we get to the border, my buddy Alan's like, hey, you want a beer? I'm like, no, dude, I'm driving. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's okay. I'm like, no, dude, I'm okay. Uh-huh. So anyway, we get into town, dude. And now I know he's drinking, right? Yeah. I know he's drinking in his car. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to tell you. You're what familiar to- with the area. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You do what you do. You're a grown-ass man. Yep, you're a grown-ass <laughs> man. So now we get into town, dude. And we kind of get into town, and then Alan kind of flips a Yui. I flip a Yui, too, and I'm, I'm, I already know, like, I didn't stop, and I didn't go through the light. And in town, they have, like, these big white trucks, just like a, let's just call it like a Dodge or a Ford, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And there's two of them, and in the back, they have about six guys each, and then they got these racks that they all hold on to. So they're in the back of the bed. Yeah, yeah. So there's probably 12, 15 guys, and they see a new truck in town, because it's a small town, and they, you know yeah. what I mean? So they so they pull us over, and now I'm like, oh crap! They all got guns on them, dude. And you're just like, like they were the police, or they're like, so yeah, these guys, guys? No, these guys were the police. So okay. they were the police. So now I'm <laughs> like, okay, why are they pulling me over? They got a spotlight shining. So instead of like being behind me like they would here in the states, they pull on the side of me, look in the car, and then shine like a big old light in the car. And I'm like, what is going on? So then Alan's ahead across the intersection, and he's yelling something. I can't hear what he's saying. We're trying to tell these guys, like, what do you want us to do? Right. But they don't know English. Oh, man. So we don't know what to do. So now I'm thinking, oh, crap. Alan stopped. And I know he's drinking. He's got a beer in his console. I'm like, oh, no, dude. Oh, no. Alan's <laughs> going to jail, dude. I was just like, oh, my. This you didn't is think not... you were going to jail? This is... Well, I didn't think. I thought I might get a ticket or something. <laughs> I wasn't breaking any. Like, I might have gone through the that line. That you knew or... about, yeah. Yeah. He's got... Yeah. So I'm, now I'm just worried. I'm like, okay, there's 15, 12 guys, whatever it was. They all got guns around there. That's just how they do it out there. They always, they're always got their guns right over their shoulder, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm all worried about it. Anyway, Alan gets out of his car. Now, so now we pull up behind Alan. They all surround us, and we're just 
they ask us to get out of the car. They're like, hey, can we search your car? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and search it. And then they start searching Allen's, and that's when I'm like, oh, he, he gone. Yeah, he's he gone. Like, Our guide is gone. Because <laughs> he's the one's taking us around. You know, he'll drop us off, and then we hunt by ourselves. And I had Easton with us, yeah. with me. Yeah, Easton's a good dude. So he would basically just kind of show us where to go and then drop was us Was Easton off. losing his mind? Dude, I bet that was a trip, dude, for his first experience, dude. Because uh, even I was kind of like, oh, I don't think he'll go back. But, uh, <laughs> even now? <laughs> so anyway, dude. <laughs> Just to wrap it up, um, I thought he was he was going to jail, but he never did. And I said, "Dude, what? How'd did they see your beer? Because I walk in, I, his beer's right in the console, dude. He's like, they don't care. I know everybody here. I'm like, what? <laughs> just do whatever <laughs> you want. I'm like, well, why'd they pull us over? He's like, oh, you're the new truck in town. And just I'm to like, check, yeah. Okay, yeah, dude, it was wild. But Have you ever had anything crazy happen in Mexico, Trey? Oh yeah, I mean that you, whatever you want to talk about or not talk about, you don't have to do whatever. But it just sound, it seems like the guy with the guns is a common thing that just pop off up the road. Oh yeah, I've had guns pulled on me there multiple times. You'll just, see the federales too. Like, oh, the federales and the military have guns. They'll like do so. One time I'm driving through this like. Are they patrolling for the cartel, or do they not care? Yeah, they're the, trying to keep the cartel out of that area. Oh, aren't they? Are? they? Is that that's, yeah? They're patrolling against the cartel. Yeah. Yep. Oh really? So dude, we're driving down through this wash and. So it's kind of, it's it's flat, and then you got all that the desert plantation, whatever. And we go down through this wash, and all of a sudden we get stopped. And there's a big army uh, Hummer up with their his fifty cal up on top, pointing right at us. Oh god! And then on the other side, you got guys hiding in the bushes, dude, because they're waiting for the cartel, you know. Yeah. So then obviously we've got our you know our our guy our guide with us, and whatever he said in Spanish, and they're like, okay, you guys are good to go. He sounds like he's got some connections or something. He's just like yeah, talking like to you guys nothing, out of trouble. Nothing surprises that guy. It seems I, like I think what it is, you know, they're just being set up. Like if there's cartel, and so I, I'm guessing, you know, I don't know exactly what they're it just is. on We'd pins and get... needles or something down there. Yeah, dude. And dude, I think you know when we tell these stories, and when I tell my mom and dad and Sarah, they're all like, "You can't go down to Mexico. It's too wild." Well, it is. It's kind of crazy, but that's what makes Mexico so fun. Is you get to go on this awesome hunt. <laughs> you get to have this like crazy adventure. And we're staying in the town, right? Like, we actually rented a hotel, which is why we're experiencing all this. I think if you go down to Mexico and you usually go, you're staying at a ranch house out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You're not driving back and forth every day through the town to experience the stuff that we did. Yeah, yeah. But that was kind of like what we were. See, our buddy Larry McCoy from Elite and Respect the Game, they go down to Mexico and shoot, like, management bucks. Because I guess, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure, like, they just pile them up down there. Yeah. And I think you can shoot, like, I don't know what it is on the ranch, like, three bucks. Didn't they go down there down? and kill turkeys one year too? Uh, I don't know about that. I know they went down there and shot some whitetails. Gotcha. But uh, I and I haven't pried on his Mex- Mexico stories yet. But he's never said anything crazy. But I think he's doing the type of hunts that you're talking about. Like they're going to like a ranch out yeah. from everything to where they don't see anybody. They show up to the ranch, they hunt, and then they leave, and they don't see anybody else. But yeah. I don't know. It sounds like a wild ride. It sounds more wild than. Wyoming, <laughs> no, sure, a different kind of wild. Yeah, especially like, you don't know if you're coming back alive out here. You're like, well, I <sighs> might get bucked off a horse or. That's crazy. You know. Have you guided down in Mexico a lot, Trey? Yeah, what is that? About five, six years. No kidding. Yeah, every year. Yeah, I haven't been for the last probably three years now. I haven't been. Yeah. Do you have interest in going back? Or oh, you... I'd love to go back. You would? Just to let things calm down there and in a different some different ranches and go down. Yeah, some different things. But... Definitely. We had the military comp <laughs> take our plane, and we had oh, one yeah. of them parachute planes. <laughs> we were flying around, shooting javelina and coyote out of. No kidding. Yeah, we, we parked it and 
landed and went and ate lunch, come back to get in, and it was gone. The military came and <laughs> took it. and <laughs> Took the whole airplane? Yeah, we never got it back either. They just seized it up. Were you flying that thing around? Yeah. No kidding? How hard are they to fly? They're easy to fly. God, you it's got like no fear. Go, it's like a go-kart with a kite on top. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> let, let, that's not true. They're hard to fly, but trazier has got the balls to do it, dude. T- I, I tried anything. flying one one time, dude. Is this no and experience? Just no experience, it? dude. My buddy's like, put me on the radio. Because don't they go way up? Way up, dude. Way up. So he's all like, I'm with Jesse. And he's all like, okay, dude, I'm going to give you the radio, put in the earpiece, and I'm just going to tell you what to do. I'm like, I was dumb and stupid. I wouldn't do that. Oh, I, man. So I'm like, okay, dude, and I floored that thing, and I'm going, going, going. And the way that you steer them is with your feet. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you start to panic and you're taking off for the first time, you start moving your feet around. Well, when you move your feet around and you're not off the ground yet, your kite starts going like this. It goes right to left, right? <laughs> and all I can hear is Jesse yelling at me, dude. And I don't know what he's saying. And I'm just like, like <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Oh, no. And all of a sudden, after he's yelling at me like three or four times, all of a sudden I hear him say, Shut it down! And I'm like, what? Shut it down! So, dude, I just shut it off, and he's all like, dude, I thought you were going to die. He's like, your kite was going right and left. I was like, oh, my gosh. No, they, and you fly, those no problem. So, yeah. yeah. I sold my, I went, so I, I flew with Thomas first time, so I was like, I'm getting one of these. These things are awesome. So, I bought one on my way back through Arizona, heading home. And I'd never flown, like, myself at first there. And, and so, I get it, and get the kite off watch a youtube video how to get the <laughs> kite all folded out and take off and it was like oh my gosh yeah we're in the air and then i was like flying I'm like this is pretty easy and then it was like oh crap i gotta land this thing i didn't you didn't even oh, think about that. that think about that part <laughs> you, didn't watch, you didn't watch that part of the youtube <laughs> no, series not, a little bit but they it was just like but i landed and it was all fine and then i totaled a week later i because i was it was crust i was at my house there's four feet of snow and Somebody's taken off the crust, and, oh. <laughs> and I flew too long in the morning, and the snow softened up. I came and landed, my front tire broke through, and oh, I just, just started, stopped you instantly. Oh, I just started cartwheeling, <laughs> and there was fiberglass props going everywhere. It was like, is there like a cage on them? Kinda, a little bit of a real cage. Yeah, I was <laughs> so embarrassed. Not much of one. I was so embarrassed. I get out, and I'm like just trying to pitch this. This thing's demolished. Did anyone get see back this out of it to my barn before anybody can see it? Did anyone see you do this? No. <laughs> Man, you crash in the mountains out here, it's game over. Yeah, you wouldn't want to crash up here. I don't think most guys would fly out here, would they? No, Cause you try Because you try and fly where, like, where it's flat. Yeah. Because if you get in mountains like this, you got the thermals. Oh, it would mess you all up because yeah, they're so light. Yeah. Mm, so I you hit know. a downdraft and it just pulls you down. Mm, I don't like that. I don't know. Mm, not <laughs> yeah. me, man. I don't think I'd, I'd try one of them. Yeah. It's just crazy that you just bought one on the way home and just, yeah. taste, or just take off it. With it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> uh, Trey, you're like a snowmobile expert, it sounds like, man. Like some of the stuff you're like, oh, yeah, I rode a snowmobile up there. I'm like, up how? How did you get a snowmobile up there? <laughs> Come out this winter and you'll find out. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to. I'm going to have to borrow my brother-in-law's snowmobile and get familiar with the thing just so i can keep up and i won't be still able to be able to prepare you no, for that i'm gonna have to just come in ready to rock like i'm gonna just like wipe the fear of anything just rent one and get insurance on it and call it a day yeah you'll be good okay <laughs> get the insurance he emphasizes on yeah. <laughs> make sure you have that make sure you check that box well, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna want that and get, yeah. get the most powerful one they have so I can keep up, <laughs> yeah, and a full face helmet. <laughs> That's right, full I'm face helmet. Predict, and a chest guard. I'm going to predict what's going to happen right now. Okay, Trey's going to find a, a lion track because you're coming out for mountain lions, right? Yeah, 
and then you guys are going to start chasing it, and then all of a sudden it's going to go up some crazy hill, and you're going to be like, hell no, uh-huh. I'm not going up that. And Trey's going to be like, hop on, let's go. Uh, and he's going to put you right in front like a little <laughs> kid, front. just like he did to me one time, dude. And you're just going to be like, holy shit, holy you're, shit. Like you're not going to make it out alive. And trust me, you'll be you'll be safe, <laughs> but you're going to be scared. <laughs> I'll ride on front. Hey, whatever it takes. That's oh. funny. Yeah, Don't I can put only you on the bag. I'm going to be, my uh, fear will be pushed to the limit there. That's all right, yeah. though. Yeah. I'll just have to channel my inner BMX kid just on an there extreme level, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like a horse that does 80 mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's snow. You wreck. You're in snow. You know, it's that's a it's good not point. Like you're on the dirt. Yeah. yeah, they're more. I think they're more. Well, there's cliffs and stuff and avalanches here, but they're more dangerous at home because it's like people just ride in ditches and there's like culverts and cables. Oh, and for sure. Just yeah. obstacles like that. You always hear about somebody trying to run run across a river and losing it in the river and they drown and like just nightmares. Skip the water. Yeah, just crazy stuff, but. Out here, you don't have to worry about like a random cable that the farmer put up yesterday in the middle of winter that you're going to run through yeah, or something like that. Worry you know? about a tree, yeah, trees and cliffs and <laughs> avalanches. <laughs> avalanches, you know, no big deal. Uh, you'll be hooked. I, know, I can imagine it's going to be a damn good time. Yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun. Well, man, this this camp has been awesome. I appreciate it yeah, again. We appreciate everything. If people want to come hunt bears next year for the working class camp. Or mule deer or anything else that you offer, or where can they find you? Just call me, 307-730-4868. Perfect. Or hit us up, and then we'll get you in contact with Trey yep. and Liv, and they'll get you guys set up. Um, it's Pretty here. Cool. It's doable. You just got to come get it. It's a well-worth experience. Yeah, definitely. Anything to add? Go shoot your bow. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, he it closed is. it out. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.